Well, good morning and happy Easter. So glad to have you with us today celebrating an alive, risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is alive, everything changes. Because Jesus is alive, all things are possible and all things can be made new. And what a perfect way to begin celebrating Easter than with baptism. So baptism for us symbolizes the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And when someone gets baptized, it's symbolizing the fact that they are saying they have been made new by Jesus and are committing to live their entire life in service to Jesus. And so I want to introduce you today to Memphis. Come on down, buddy. Oh, you're good. Good deal. Stand up there. Turn around. Perfect. Very good. This is Memphis. So Memphis, uh, he and his family have been a part of our church for years. Um, they're actually in transition moving, but uh, wanted to make sure that we had an opportunity to see Memphis baptized here at Southview. This is home where he came to faith in Christ, and so we're excited to be able to share in this today. So I want to 
take just a minute and let you hear from Memphis himself about his testimony. So please watch the screen. Hi, my name is Memphis Whitmore, and I have made the decision to get baptized. I turned to Jesus because I believe that he died for our sins. I came to know Jesus at Southview. The teachers and the love they showed me, it helped me to turn to God. All right. All right, hop in. Have a seat. Good deal. You good, buddy? All right, so Memphis. Having heard your testimony that you have trusted by faith in Christ, it's my honor and my privilege to baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right. All right. All right. Do me a favor. Stand up again for me. Turn around. All right. Hey, can we pray for Memphis? Let's do that together, okay? Lord God, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord, for young men who want to give their life to you. I pray, God, specifically for Memphis, God, that you would just allow this seed of faith planted in his heart, God, to grow deep and strong and bear out mighty, mighty fruit for your glory. I pray, God, that he grows up to be a man deeply in love with you, a man that lives his life just for you, and he's able to see amazing things happen in his life in your name. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Thank you for what you're doing in Memphis's life. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, let's stand together. Let's worship. All right. Good morning, church. Let's sing and let's celebrate. God is worthy. Yes.
Easter Church. Are you glad to be here? Yes. The best thing about being here today is that we actually have a reason to be here, right? And his name is Christ Jesus. Because he came and he lived a sinless life. He literally was murdered. Scripture says that it pleased God the Father to crush his son. And he was dead. Murdered on the cross. Buried. And then he literally rose again conquering death, hell, and the grave. I love how scripture says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. It's not by anything that we bring, anything that we do, anything that we can ever do or accomplish on our own. It's by saying, by, I believe by faith that Christ is the son of God, that he paid for my sins on the cross and that I am forgiven. And in him we find our healing, we find our hope, we find our forgiveness, we find our comfort that he would sustain. And so my prayer, our prayer for you guys and for us today, church, is that the lost will be found, the broken will be made whole, and the name of Christ will be made much of so that we can join together in heaven with the saints and with the angels. Yes. And we can say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who is and was and is to come, righteous and worthy to be praised. We lift up your name, Jesus. Let your spirit lead us in worship and spirit and in truth. And let your name be magnified. Let's sing and let's celebrate these truths together. Heaven's mercy. 
in a Christian home, but I gave my parents a really hard time. And so I finally decided to join the military because I wanted to do something hard and actually finish it. And it was actually towards the end of my military service when I gave my life to Christ. And having spent time in the army, I know uh, that it can be a really spiritually dark place. They're young, they're far from family for the first time. They don't have maybe a lot of good influences. A lot of broken homes, marriages, struggling, addiction, a desperate need for the gospel. There's a lot of young Marines here and they're living in the barracks. When we started this church, we knew that that was an area that God was calling us to reach, to host Marines for a Marine dinner once a month is where it started. To have something like a dinner that they can come to and just be themselves and sit on a couch and eat a warm meal is really impactful for them. More and more guys started coming and we baptized our first Marine last summer. And then that Marine led to another Marine and then another one to the point now where every week we're seeing fruit. This church like means business. Uh, they don't, they are not okay with you just punching your church card every week. And... <laughs> it was obvious that this was a church that was doing church like the Bible says we should do church. I feel encouraged every time I go to church. Like I wish every day was Sunday. When people give to Annie Armstrong, it enables churches like ours to reach military members and their families with the gospel. Washington, D.C. is a city with many, many nations. So to have a gospel-centered, healthy church here is reaching not only the people in this city, but cities all across the world. The military is already moving people around, and as they're moved from place to place, they 
they can take the gospel with them. It's exactly what Jesus has called us to do, and God is changing people's lives. Once again, good morning to you and a happy Easter. Uh, if you came in later before, uh, after I had a chance to say hello, my name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview. If you're new, welcome to you all. So with that video, we, um, so as a Southern Baptist congregation, which we are here at Southview, uh, we take part every Easter in what's called the Annie Armstrong Easter Offering. Now, the point of that is to raise support for uh, missions and church planting here in the United States of America. And so we have a couple of strategic partnerships, and they kind of converge really well here. One, the North American Mission Board, which seeks to, again, plant churches and send out pastors and missionaries here in the U.S. Second, we believe that it's strategically important for us to focus in on military communities. That's who we are, that's what we do, and so we think it would be smart for us to also engage in that way. And the North American Mission Board allows us to do that. We've got a partnership there. They have a military community church planting office. Their whole job is to help plant churches in military communities like ours around the country. So we want to engage with them and help them with that. Um, the uh, gentleman who leads that is retired Marine Corps General. His name is General Lee. No lie, that's true. Um, and so General Lee helps us in thinking through this, how to plant churches in communities like this. And we want to do this for a couple of reasons. One, um, oftentimes people, obviously, they come here, stationed at Bragg, and then they, they leave, right? They get a PCS somewhere else. And so when they do that, we want to be able to say, hey, wherever you're going, we know of a church being planted there that's a good church, a gospel church. Your family can get plugged in there. And so we're helping make disciples no matter where you go. That's our desire. Our desire is to help you no matter where uh, the Lord through Uncle Sam might lead you. Uh, so the way you help with that is the North American Mission Board, the Annie Armstrong Easter Offering. So we encourage you to be in prayer about giving for that. Marie and I have been. We're, uh, we've already set our amount of how we're going to sacrificially give. I encourage you to do the same thing. You can give, either write a check and drop it in the buckets as you leave. Mark it Annie Armstrong or Easter offering, whatever, we'll know what it means. Or you can give online through the app and just make sure you designate the Easter offering, Annie Armstrong Easter offering for that as well. But before we jump into the Word, I want to take time and I want to pray with us, okay? And I want to pray specifically for church planting in military communities. Again, that's a major emphasis for us. We think that's something that God desires for us to strategically partner with. Um, I fully believe there are men in this room who are currently serving in the military. You're going to get out of the military, and we're going to see you to go plant the church. God just hasn't told you that yet. So uh, we're, we're praying for you to do that. Um, listen, if you have a long military career, a long career, you're retiring at, what, 40, 42? So you need a second gig. And uh, we're praying that you would at least set it before God and ask if that's to go plant the church. Um, if it is, we want to partner with you. We want to help you do that. We want to train you up and send you out uh, for God's glory to be able to do that. So let's take some time and let's pray. And let's uh, ask the Lord that he would uh, be so kind as to bless this effort. Lord God, we just thank you. We thank you, God, that you are so good. God, that you send 
that you send people out, Lord, to start churches, to plant churches. I praise you, God, for that. I pray, God, for specifically churches in military communities. I ask you, God, that you would allow us to be a part of seeing so many more raised up. I pray, God, for those churches right now in military communities having Easter services. We pray, God, your blessings on them. We ask you, God, that you would allow that to be a powerful time for them to see the gospel go out. Uh, We pray, God, again, that you would raise up men inside this church who you would call out to go plant churches or pastor churches or revitalize churches in military communities so that we can see the gospel go out in this unbelievably strategic demographic. Uh, And I pray, God, just for us as a church, God, you'd be so kind as to let us reach more and more and more. I thank you that you give us the privilege of ministering in such an amazing place, in such an amazing community. And I ask you, Lord God, that you allow us to have much fruit. I pray, God, that you would stir in our hearts to give generously and graciously to the Andy Armstrong offering, God, that we would see many pastors and church planters and missionaries go out to share the gospel for your honor. We love you, Lord God. Thank you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Again, happy Easter. Hey, if you got a Bible, let's find John together, all right? The Gospel of John. And we're going to be in chapter 21. John chapter 21. So as you're finding that, let me give you a quick commercial as well. Starting next week, we're going to begin a new series. We're calling it The Story. And here's what we're going to do. For 12 weeks, I'm going to preach through the entire Bible. Why did you just giggle? Right? That's true. I can do it. Um, so here's the idea behind it. Many of us go to the Bible like you go to your medicine cabinet. When you have a headache, you go to the medicine cabinet and grab what you need for that. If you have a sinus issue, like you live in Fayetteville in, you know, April, allergies are blowing you up, you go and you find what you need for that. And many of us treat the Bible similarly, right? If you're struggling with fear, you go find a verse about fear. You struggle with anxiety, you go find a verse about anxiety. You struggle with doubt, you go find a verse about doubt, which isn't bad, it's just incomplete. The point of the Bible is not for you to treat it like a medicine cabinet. The point of the Bible is not to be even a road map to help guide your life. The point of the Bible is to be a giant neon sign pointing to Jesus, and when you trust in him, he's the one who changes your life. And, and, and those two are very different. And so what we're going to do for about 12 weeks is we're going to take you from Genesis to Revelation. And we're going to show you the big story of the entire Bible. Right? The whole thing. How it began, where it went, and how it's going to end. And then most importantly, how all of that really does just point to Jesus. So this series is going to be perfect for a lot of us. If you're not a Christian and you're trying to figure out if this is real... This is going to be a perfect series for you because you're going to get a chance to see what the entire Bible is really about and how it does point to Jesus and how Jesus really does desire to, ch- to, 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 to do a great work in your life and see your life change. If you're new to the Christian faith and you pick this thing up, you're like, wow, that is thick. I have no idea where to begin. This is going to be a perfect series for you. We're going to lay out all the big points. We're going to show you how it all connects together and you're going to be able to walk away from it after a few months and go, I totally get that. It's a great foundation for you. If you've, and this is the majority of us, category three. You ready? If you've been a Christian for a while and you feel like you should be farther than you are, but you're frustrated and don't know how to get there, all right? This is going to be a great series for you. 
We're going to be able to, again, kind of lay a foundation to really kind of help springboard you forward. And then, man, if you're just, you're growing in the Lord, and you're mature in the Lord, you're founded and grounded in the Lord, that's awesome. This is going to be a great series for you because you're going to get just even more entrenched in how amazing Jesus is and how everything really is all about Him. So that's starting next Sunday. I encourage you to be here at 9.30 and 11, just like today. Uh, come back, hang out with us. It's going to be fantastic. All right, John chapter 21. So here is going to be our big idea for today, all right? Jesus' resurrection brings forgiveness and redemption. Jesus' resurrection brings forgiveness and redemption. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever completely and totally jacked it up i mean royally absolutely train wrecked something have you ever been in that spot and you have no idea how you're going to get yourself back out of it every time you try to get out of it it feels like you're just digging the hole deeper you know how do i get out of this how do i fix this how do i get past this what do i do I've got good news for you today. I don't know why you're here, right? Many of us are here for many different reasons. Some of you are here because you're just a part of this church. You're going to be here. You were here last Sunday. You'll be here next Sunday. And now you're here for Easter. That's great. We're glad that you're here. Some of you, you're visiting with family, right? You're in town with family and they come here. So you came with them. Some of you are here today because mom just wanted one nice day. We're glad that you're here. We're glad you're here. Regardless of why, regardless of what brought you into this place, here's what we believe. We believe that God is completely and totally in control of every molecule in this universe. That includes where you sit this morning. We believe you are here today by the providence of God. I understand that you woke up this morning... You chose to get out of bed, you chose to put on your clothes, you chose to get in the car, and you chose to drive here. But in an amazing and mind-blowing way, you indeed made all those decisions out of your own volition. You did all of that. And at the same time, God was like, yeah, you, you did that because I told you to. You're, you're here. And we believe you're here because God desires to speak a very clear word to your heart. What do we do now? Jesus, he came, and he died on the cross, he was buried in the tomb, then he victoriously rose again three days later. And what we want to see today from the story and life of a guy named Peter is that that true historical real event, we believe in the absolute literal historical physical resurrection of Jesus. There was a real man named Jesus. He really did die on a cross. He really was dead, buried in the grave for three days, and then came back to life again. We believe that is true because Jesus is God. And that means something. So, Peter. If you know the story of Peter, Peter is one of Jesus' disciples. And he was very sure of himself. 
right? There was not a situation Peter could not handle. He could do it all. And so as Jesus is at the end of his life and he's meeting with all of his guys in the Last Supper, they're all gathered together. Jesus makes this comment that one of you is going to betray me. He's speaking of Judas. But as he's doing that, everyone starts murmuring around one another. Who is it? Who is it? Is it this guy? You know, they start looking around and go, I bet it's that guy. In the midst of all of that, Peter leans over to Jesus. And what does he say? In essence, he says, the rest of these fools might deny you. But I never will. I will never do that. I will never leave you. Even if it leads to death. And then what does Jesus say to him? Peter, the truth is, before the, the rooster crows three times, you will have denied me. And indeed, Peter does. Peter denies Jesus. And he doesn't just deny Jesus. He denies Jesus three times. And he doesn't just deny Jesus three times. He denies Jesus three times while violently cursing him. Not only does he deny Jesus three times while violently cursing him, he does so, at least the third time the Bible would say, he does so close enough to Jesus that Jesus can hear him do it, turns, and looks him in the eyes while he's saying it. Matthew chapter 26 says that after this happened, Peter broke down, wept bitterly, and ran off. And that's the last we see of him. Jesus is taken off. He's crucified. He's buried. Jesus victoriously rises from the grave. You see that in John chapter 20, all the Gospels. But for us in John chapter 20, Jesus comes back to life. He, he engages with his disciples. His disciples are in a locked room because they're freaked out. He comes in the locked room, appears out of nowhere, boom, appears out of nowhere to them. Pronounces peace over them. But there's still an issue with Peter. You ever been in a situation where something happened between you and someone, and you see them, and you don't really talk about it, but you know there's a problem? Are you married? <laughs> I know some of you are new. We do audience participation, all right? So if I ask a question, you're free to say yes, okay? So you got Peter and Jesus. And Jesus shows up, and Peter is, can you just imagine? He's so excited to see Jesus and so thrilled that Jesus is actually alive. But at the same time, he knows the last time that he saw Jesus, he was violently cursing and denying him. And here's Peter. What do you do when you've completely jacked it up? Just, irre, just, just irreparable. There's a come a point in your life where Jesus washes his hands of you and says, forget it, it's over and done. That's John chapter 21. Let's read that together, okay? John 21. After this, so he appeared twice to the guys in John chapter 20. And after that, we get chapter 21. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. 
They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. So if you, if you know your, your Bible stories, what did Peter do for a living before he followed Jesus? He was a fisherman. Oh, see, you're so much better now. Good. He was a fisherman. And it's interesting. So, so everything goes bad. Everything goes sideways. Peter has no idea what the future is going to hold for him. And what does he do? He goes back to fishing. You ever felt like when things go sideways, you just go back to what's natural, even if it's a bad thing? You ever had that? Right? You, you fall back into it. You, you, you tried the church thing. You tried the God thing. It got started to get complicated. It started to get messy. Things started to push in. You started to have an actual look at things in your own heart. It got awkward for you, so you just went back to where you were before. Peter goes back to where he was. He goes back to fishing. It's what he knew. It's what he grew up in. It's what makes sense to him. It's, it's, it, 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 it's, it's what just comes naturally. So he goes, he goes back to fishing. Verse 4. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, cast the net on the other side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. So as they're, they're fishing here, Jesus reveals himself to them again. And interestingly, again, if you've read through the Bible, if you read through the Gospels, Jesus appears to him this, this time here. The exact same way he appeared to Peter at the very beginning. Remember how Jesus came to Peter at the very beginning? Peter was a fisherman. And he's out fishing, right? And he's fished all night, and he hasn't caught anything. And some guy just shows up on the shore and is like, hey, did you catch anything? Like, nope. Why don't you try the other side of the boat? Peter must have been like, and they're not big boats, right? You're not, you're, you're, you're not fishing off, you know, the Titanic. Right? They're in this little boat, and he's like, so you want me to do this? I'm pretty sure fish, watch this, swim both ways under the boat. He's like, no, no, no. Try the other side of the boat. And Peter, Peter must have been like, sure. So he goes to the other side of the boat. What happens in Matthew chapter 4 when he does that? Fish, right? Just to the point of breaking the nets. Right, they're having to call for help to get it all in. And he comes back now again. So track with me. That's how Peter was called the first time. All of this happens. All of this transpires. He denies Jesus. Jesus comes back and he calls him back to him the exact same way. Track with me. Listen. Even though for Peter everything in his mind has changed, for Jesus nothing's changed. Even though for you in your life, you feel like everything is different now. I've made too many bad mistakes. I've gone too many bad directions. I've done too many dumb things. Everything has changed now. Jesus is thinking, nothing's different for me. When Jesus called Peter the very first time, he knew the denial was going to happen. He knew it. And he called him anyway. And now he calls him back a second time. Even though for Peter, he feels like everything has changed and everything is different. And I don't know if I can go back to him again. And what does he really think of me? For Jesus, nothing has changed. And for you, Jesus, in looking at you, nothing has changed. 
Jesus doesn't look at you and look forward to some future version of you where you're not so much of a goofball. Where you're not quite as much of a hard case. Where you're not quite so difficult. You think about your kids. When your baby was born, you didn't look at that baby wrapped up and sitting there in the, in, the, in the hospital, and you look at this baby, you're not thinking, oh, I love you so much, but I'm going to love you even more when you stop pooping on yourself. <laughs> when you can actually contribute a little bit to the family, not be such a taker all the time. You don't think that, right? You're, you, you don't love your child differently when they finally get to a certain age. You love your child when they are totally helpless and can't do anything. Why do you love them? Because they're your child. Right? There's no other reason. They're not adding any value to you. They're sucking you dry. <laughs> they don't add anything. I mean, let's just be honest. But you love them because they're yours. Jesus Christ does not look at you and think of different like, this person's varsity, this person's JV, this person's team A, this person's team B. Or, remember this one? Remember uh, elementary school uh, reading. They put you in different groups. And they called them, like, this is the butterfly group. Right? And this is the, this is the elephant group. Right? And they tried to name them in things where you didn't realize this was the slow group and this was the fast group. But we all knew. We all knew. Right? I mean, just call it what it is. We all knew. Jesus doesn't put you in groups like that. He doesn't look at you and, and wish you were better. He loves you, and he comes after you, and he pursues you, just like Peter. He comes for you. Today he is coming for you. He says, yeah, yeah, you did that. And you know what? I knew you were going to when I died on the cross. Every sin you've ever committed in your life was a sin Jesus knew you were going to commit, and he died for you anyway. He knew. And he knew Peter. But he did anyway. In verse 7, that disciple who Jesus loved, it's John who wrote the Gospel of John. And I love the fact that, just side note, John, who wrote this book, whenever he refers to himself, he refers to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. He's just, you know, it feels a little like I'm his favorite, but anyway. <laughs> that disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, it is the Lord, right? So they're on the boat. John realizes it and goes, Peter, it's Jesus. And I love what happens. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. Side note, I never understood Peter got dressed, then jumped in the water. Have you ever been so excited your brain stopped working? I think that's what happened here. Right? You ever just been so excited? Like your brain just temporarily shut down? I think Peter, he was so excited. Jesus is on the show. Just Jesus. His brain just stopped working. Like, well, I better get dressed and jump in the water. Verse 8. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. For they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus already made them breakfast. Jesus said to them, "Bring some fish that you uh, so, so that uh, bring the fish that you have just caught." Verse eleven. 
So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Real, uh, real quick, do you know the amazing, cool nugget as to why he said here that they caught exactly 153 fish? Me neither. No idea. No clue. I, I got nothing. Um, the only thing I can guess is forever guys have been bragging about the fish they caught. That's the only thing I can guess. He was like, hey, just for the record, we caught 153 fish. So, verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dare ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Verse 15, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Real quick, again, how many times did, G did Peter deny Jesus? How many times did Jesus come and ask Peter if he loved him? Here's the reason behind that. Jesus is totally covering the whole deal. And Jesus isn't asking Peter if he loves him because he's not sure. He's not asking Peter if he loves him because he's, he's wishy-washy, not real sure if Peter's in or out anymore. He knows. What he's doing is since Peter denied him three times, he's giving him an opportunity to be restored those three times. Three different times someone came to Peter and said, hey, aren't you one of his followers? And he said, no, I don't know the man. Right? He's so terrified, a teenage girl at a campfire said, boo, and he ran away screaming. This is Peter. But now three times, Jesus comes to him and says, how much do you love me? How much do you love me, Peter? Jesus, you know I love you. And all of this, what's happening is Jesus is giving an opportunity to totally forgive and redeem. And I want to encourage you. Jesus, when he forgives you, he doesn't just, he doesn't forgive you just because he has to. He forgives you and welcomes you back into a full, complete, right, and total relationship with him. In fact, you see that carry out there again in verse 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And then look at how 19 ends. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. That's so interesting. It's so important because that last little sentence there in verse 19 the last thing he says to him, he, he restores him by asking him three times, do you love me? Yes, yes, yes. Then he ends in verse 19 by going, all right now, 
follow me. Why does this matter? Because if you would go back to Matthew chapter 4, I'll just read it to you. It's not on the screen. Matthew chapter 4. How does this all begin? Matthew 4, 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. The point of this is, Jesus is, again, he died for Peter just like he died for you. Peter sinned after Jesus died, just like you. But Jesus restores him. Look, you're, you're going to sin. Right? The thing that's going to happen, you're going to sin. But the great truth about the gospel of Jesus Christ is there's grace in the falling. This is the point of the resurrection. The point of the resurrection is Jesus is God. He has died for your sins. He has conquered death. He's conquered your sin. And he's covered every sin you're ever going to commit. No matter how far in advance. No matter how bad it is. No matter how great the fall. The grace of God covers it. You're here today. Some of you have no doubt you're here today. And, and I want you to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. He said Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again. And he did all of that so that you can be restored and forgiven. Proverbs chapter 24 verse 26 says, The righteous fall seven times and rises again. The righteous fall seven times. The word seven in the Bible means completion. In other words, what he's saying here is a righteous person. It does not say a righteous person does not fall. Or a righteous person might stumble ever so often. He's saying a righteous person, a righteous person falls a lot. A lot, a lot. But because they're righteous, they get back up. The reason grace in falling is so great is because grace also empowers you to get back and my encouragement for you here in this room today is that the resurrection empowers you to get back up. Some of you, you're in this room today for the first time in a year. And we're glad that you're here. But you came today because it is ingrained in you from grandma that you should be here. And we praise God for grandmas that do that. But I want you to know, Jesus Christ desires today to be the day where you stand up. You stand up by grace in Christ. You stand up and say, I'm not going to run away anymore. God's forgiveness for me is complete and total and right and true. And so I'm going to walk by faith in him. Uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 20, we'll put it up on the screen here. Verses 30 and 31. Explain kind of the point of all of this. John 30. John 20, 30, and 31 says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life. Jesus' desire is for you to see and believe. Believe that Jesus is indeed the Son of God. 
Jesus did indeed die on the cross for your sin. Jesus did indeed rise from the grave so that you can be forgiven and made new and be restored and be made right. If you, were, if you are a follower of Christ, you've trusted by faith in Christ, but life has gone a very different way than what you were expecting. Peter did not expect life to go that way. Maybe for you, you walked by faith in Christ, you were faithful in church, you were the good kid, you did all those things, and then something just went goofy. I want you to know today, Jesus Christ desires to restore you again, to make you right and whole in Him. Believe and see. And for others of you here today, Our prayer today is that you would trust by faith in Jesus Christ for the first time today and be saved. Do you trust him? Do you give your life to him and say, Jesus Christ, my life is yours. You do with me whatever you want. Um, One of my heroes in the faith, a man by the name of Charles Spurgeon, said that uh, in order for you to be saved, you need three things. You need to know, you need to believe, and you need to trust. Right, so you need to know. You need to know the facts of the gospel. The facts of the gospel are that Jesus Christ is God, that he came and lived a sinless life, that he died on the cross for your sins, he victoriously rose again, and if you trust in Jesus to take away your sin and give your life to him, he makes you new, forgives you, and makes you a child of God. That's the facts of the faith. You need to know that, right? You, it, it, you, you can't not know those things and be a Christian. You have to know those things. However, just because you know something doesn't mean you do it, right? There are things that you know are bad for you, but you still do it, right? You 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 know that's not good. You know this is going to go bad for me, but it's It's still a thing. You still do it. So it's not just enough to know. you got to actually believe it. Do you believe that it's true? Do you believe that Jesus is indeed the Son of God? That he did indeed die for your sin? That he did indeed rise again? And that trusting by faith in him is going to save you? Do you believe it? But again, believing isn't enough because the book of James would tell us that even Satan and his demons believe that's true. They know for a fact. They believe that. So the next thing is the key, trust. The word trust means to put your full and complete hope in something, to rest totally in a thing, to fling yourself onto something and say, I have no other hope, nowhere to go. I've tried everything else. All of that has failed. I need Jesus. I give my whole self to Jesus. This is how salvation happens. Do you trust him like that do you give your everything your whole your all to him like that that is how you become a follower of jesus christ that is how you become a christian simply being attracted to what we do here doesn't make you a christian several years ago uh, after a service i had a gentleman come up to me he said i'm an agnostic um uh and uh, i uh, uh this really isn't my thing but I just wanted to come and let you know, I'm, I'm so encouraged and I love the energy that you have here. And even though that I don't believe it, I believe that you and your people believe it. And I just want you to know I really enjoyed today. I said, well, that's, that's great. I, we'd love for you to come back. We'd love for you to come back. Um, because, again, you just simply enjoying the atmosphere doesn't make you a Christian. And, and, and you simply attending a church doesn't make you a Christian. Have you truly, legitimately, 
thrown yourself onto Christ and say, I have nowhere to go, no other hope, nothing can save me. I've tried everything else. It's fallen apart. I need you, Jesus. I give my everything to you. It works kind of like this. Uh, so back in college, me and some friends of mine decided we were going to go whitewater rafting. So we uh, hopped in um, my, uh, my old uh, Toyota Tercel or whatever it was called. And uh, we went running up the mountains into West Virginia and got a tour guide. And we're like, we're going to do this thing. We want to go big. We want to go big. Let's do it. Oh, great, yeah. So we're all in this raft, and we're, we're going, we're having a great time. We're falling out the boat and pushing each other out the boat, and it's great. And, and we come to a point where the guide pulls us off to the side. He says, all right, eyes right here, everybody. We turn around and look at him. He says, all right, now I need you to listen to me. We're about to go through the final rapid for today, and it is the real thing. It is the highest rated rapid that we're allowed to take you down. People have died doing this. It is serious, it can hurt you, it can kill you. So here's what I need. I'm going to need for everyone in this raft to do everything I tell you to do. If I tell right side paddle forward, left side paddle back, you better do that. If I say paddle back, right, paddle forward, left, you better do that. If I say everybody get down, everybody better get down. You better do everything I say exactly when I say it. Because if you don't, we're going to have a giant poop sandwich, and we all got to take a bite out of it. He didn't say poop, but it's Easter, so I'm figuring out. I'm just helping you out. You know what we did? Every single thing that man said. We listened to everything. I mean, it was, it was he, for the next three and a half minutes, was God. If he said, do a thing, we did it fast. You know what we were doing? We were placing our whole trust in him. We'll do anything you tell us to do. We'll do it all. You tell me to do this, I'll do this. You tell me to do that, I'll do that. You tell me to get down, I'll get down. I'll do anything you tell me to do. We totally threw our trust into him and believed he's the only one who can get us through this rapid. Our faith is in him. This is salvation. You throw your trust onto Christ in such a way where you're saying, the only one who can get me through this is Jesus. I fling myself onto him. Apart from him, I've got nothing. Nothing. Romans chapter 6 verse 4 says, We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. New life is available for you. Will you take it? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and ask our band to come up. And we're going to end our time here this morning. Just giving you an opportunity to reflect. We're not going to ask you to stand and sing. We just want you to kind of sit and reflect because I believe there are people in the room that land in different categories. Some of you here today, listen, you're not a follower of Christ. Maybe you came in full and well knowing that. That's not who you are. 
Maybe you came in thinking that you were. But at some points today, God is stirring in your heart and you're realizing you're not. Today, I'm encouraging you, trust by faith in Christ. If it is your desire today to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to encourage you. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a prayer. We don't do this a lot here. The, it isn't some magic formula. If you say exactly what I say and mean it hard enough, then you'll be a Christian. It's not any of that. It's simply just you saying, Jesus Christ, I need you. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I can't fix me. I know I can't get to heaven on my own. I need you, Jesus. You died. You were buried. You rose again so that I could be forgiven. I need you, Jesus. You make me new. If that's your desire today, would you just simply say that to him? Jesus, I need you to save me. I need you to forgive me. I need you to make me new. I can't do this on my own. And for others of you, you may find yourself similar to Peter. There was a time in your life where you were on fire, right? And you thought, there's nothing that could ever change this. And then you hit your denial moment like Peter. A time in your life came where you, you found yourself more walking away from the Lord than walking towards the Lord. Maybe you still attended church. Maybe you still did the things. Maybe others who didn't know you as well would never have thought anything was going on. But in your heart, you know. In your heart, you know. I want you to hear in the story of Peter today that Jesus Christ forgives and redeems. He restores. He makes new. He desires to come to you fresh again and say, hey, you ready to follow me? I forgive you. I restore you. Let's keep walking the path together. If that's your desire, Day. That's fine where you find yourself. I want to encourage you today. Set that before the Lord here this morning. Say, Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for walking away. I'm sorry for denying you. Thank you for never forgetting me. Thank you for never turning your back on me, even when I turn my back on you. I desire today to follow you fresh. Take some time here this morning. Pray, reflect, and allow the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ to do its amazing and glorious work in your heart. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know my Redeemer lives. I 
desire for you is that today gets to be a springboard um, for a lot of us. We want this to not just be a day that you attend today, but let it be a springboard in your walk with the Lord, perhaps maybe a springboard in your connection with us as a church. So a couple of things. Number one, if you are a guest with us today, you're worshiping with us, you're new, Maybe this is your first time, maybe you've been previously, but you've never really connected with us. We would love for you to simply just grab your cell phone and text the word CONNECT to our number, 910-424-1298. Just text the word CONNECT, we'll send you a link, tap on that, answer a couple of questions, just so we can know that you're here and be in prayer for you. We would love that. Uh, but for everyone here, three next things we'd like for you to know about. You can get plugged in. Number one, for ladies, all right, we'll do... Ladies first, then guys, ladies, May 7th, we're going to have a breakfast here just for you. Uh, especially if you're new, it's going to be a great opportunity for you to come in and connect with some ladies. Uh, so May 7th at 9 o'clock, text the word breakfast to our same number to sign up. 
just so we can have a good count and know who to prepare for. It's a great opportunity for you to take a step to kind of meet some ladies and get plugged in a little bit here in the congregation. So I encourage you to do that. Second, guys, October. October 21st through the 23rd, we're going to have a retreat in Fort Caswell. Um, $50 deposit due by the end of this month. Now listen, guys, I need you to talk, I need to, talk to you just for a second, okay? I've talked to 20 of you who said you're going, but you haven't signed up yet, okay? I need you to sign up by the end of this month, okay? Sign up, 50 bucks, you can go. If you have a teenage son, you can bring him with you. Sign up, all right? Sign up by the end of this month so we have a good count and know how many we need to prepare for uh, for moving forward with that, all right? And then third and final announcement for you, an opportunity to serve. Uh, we have a mission partnership in Kentucky. Uh, we're going to be uh, running over there in July to do some mission work. And uh, it's a part of Appalachia that's just very poor, very disadvantaged. And one of the things we want to do is get some shoes together for beginning of school for them. So we've got on either side as you leave, we've got a box set up for shoes. If you could buy some new shoes, just kids' shoes, any size, and drop them in those buckets, we would greatly appreciate that. We're going to pile all that together and get that to them uh, in July so they can have that uh, for the beginning of school year. We would really, really greatly appreciate that. And for all the other announcements, uh, you can download our app, Southview Baptist Church, iTunes or Google Play. You can download the app. That's how you're going to find out what's going on. That's how you're going to be able to give online, find a journey group, all of those things. Uh, so we would love for you to do that. And then final announcement, I've got one more thing and then I'm done, I promise. Vacation Bible School, coming in June. Sign up. If you got kids, sign up. Just text the letters VBS, all right? VBS, we'll send you a link. Sign your kids up. That registration is now officially open, so sign up your kids for Vacation Bible School. That would be a great way for them to get plugged in as well and meet some more kids, all right? I love you guys. Happy Easter. Jesus is alive and it changes everything. Amen? Amen. All right. God bless you guys. We love you so much. Have a great week.